I'm Darian Slayton Fleming, and thank you for joining me on Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. Do you find it difficult to ask for what you need? Do you frequently feel misunderstood? Do you have a problem or cause that you would like to learn to manage more effectively? What makes it so hard for us to tell each other how we feel? And how do we speak up for ourselves so we get what we need and feel good about it? How do we do this respectfully so that we honor the needs and feelings of others? Together, we'll explore tips, strategies, and resources that when used mindfully and consistently will improve our results and enrich our relationships. Hello and welcome back to Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. Today, we're talking with Georgina Moran, who is the author of Hello and welcome back to Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. Today, we're talking with Georgina Moran, who is the author of An Ingenious Way to Live about her determination to continue her passion for adventure after a disability left her paralyzed from the shoulders down. Her book chronicles how she was inspired to give back to a broader community of adventure seekers. Georgina is the founder of Access Recreation, dedicated to identifying trail information, guidelines, and consumer resources for people of all abilities to identify parks and trails that meet their desired experiences. Well, hello and welcome, Georgina, to Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. And this is episode number six. And so how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm I'm so happy to be here with you, Darian. It's been a while. It has been a while, and it's always good to talk to you. You were someone, when I worked at Independent Living Resources with you, that always was positive and had solutions, and I'm really excited to share your story. In my opening, I let our listeners know that you're the author of a book called An Ingenious Way to Live. And I'm wondering, what prompted you to write this story? First of all, I can't take credit even for the title. I, I took a quote by Neil Marcus. Uh, he's a, a playwright and an author living with a disability. And when he would speak to people, he would say, disability is not a brave struggle or courage in the face of adversity. Disability is an art, an ingenious way to live. So I snatched that. I began writing as a way to get, you know, nagging thoughts out of my head um, to resolve some guilty feelings that, that just haunted me at night that kept me up at night that maybe I'd done something 
that was just unforgivable to friends and family. So I wrote one little little paragraph, a little bit of you know story, um, and it helped. But it it helped me be able to rewrite the narrative uh, that I had around in, you know different moments in my life. It, you know, I, it reminded me of my my resilient and powerful you know being that I am that I'd overcome like great odds uh, to keep my dreams and and spirit of adventure alive. And um, it was basically a kind of therapy. Yeah, and, and the result was my self-image improved. And I was able to, to have a greater peace of mind uh, in general. So yeah, so it was meant just to be for me. That is so awesome. And I actually am going to be interviewing somebody else who said the same thing. And really, you know, we, I think that a lot of us start to write our story to help explain how we got to be where we are mm-hmm. and resolve some of the issues that we experienced along the way. And there's actually a therapeutic technique called narrative therapy that I've been studying. And it's all about rewriting the story. For example, we often get stuck in the negative thinking cycle. And we only think about the things that went wrong and the things we regret and the things that we feel like people did to us or didn't do for us. And in narrative therapy, we are encouraged to look for what went right. What did I learn? Where where am I now? And it totally inverts the negative experience into a positive frame of mind, which we then can build on and look for our strengths. So I'm I'm yeah. really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what it did for me. Yeah, it completely rewrote the narrative. Yeah, I I can't look at the situations um, as I did. And you're right; those are the things that float to the top. I, I couldn't. I couldn't even remember all the good things that I did. All I remembered and what kept me up at night, you know, were the, the things that I, I I considered bad or, you know, I, things I, I wasn't proud of. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. And Georgina, this question wasn't on my list, but I am curious. You have a disability, but that disability wasn't with you until later in life, right? When did it start? Even though you may have started out not having a disability, you're still a whole human being and got shaped by some of your experiences before the major disability experience happened. And then did you find that that just kind of intensified your feelings about yourself? So that's a couple of questions. Prior to the age of 40, 
Um, I was an outrigger canoe racer. I was a self-employed cabinet maker. Um, I was extremely athletic. And at 40, I got diagnosed with MS. So at that stage, I was just, you know, I had a little bit of numbness, my hands and feet. Uh, I'd trip a little bit, uh, drop my paddle mid-stroke when I was, you know, racing, you know, the kayak or the, or the outrigger canoe. It, as time went on, it uh, a, a, became apparent that I had primary progressive multiple sclerosis. So this condition um, started out with me using a cane, just not being able to walk steadily. At Independent Living Resources for a long time, I used to call it wall surfing. I put my hand on the wall and that would see me so that I could walk. So then at about 43, I started using a power chair because uh, I uh, I couldn't walk fast enough to do everything I wanted to do. Things still just slowly progressed until I'm at where I'm at today. I'm virtually a, a rag doll you know, below my shoulders. I've I've got no feeling. Uh, I've got no ability to move even a finger um, to touch a key on a keyboard. All I've got, you know, I, I use a power chair with a, a chin drive at this point. I can navigate that way. But, uh, but yeah, you know, so there was a steep learning curve to get to this point. I, I can go into more detail, but let's just suffice that you know, it's been quite the journey to, um, you know, to get to where I am today and to still be diligent, you know, about following my passion, just finding new ways to do it. I've, I've had to be creative, super creative, you know, very ingenious, you know, and in order to, uh, to do what I do. And I, I, I do all kinds of things. I've got a, a motorized float you know, that runs with a chin drive and I could, um, I could turn left or right, you know, because I've got two motors, one goes forward, one goes back. I can go play, I, I go play up in the, in, up in Canada in the ocean with my friends, you know, it's like, you just got to be a little more creative. Oh my gosh. How do you play in the ocean? <laughs> But what happens is I drive my my power chair up to the 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 float, you know, this fisherman's float. They uh, my friends, it, it's it's a group effort. Let me tell you, you know, my friends lift me, put me into the float, and then they they carry me like on a on a sheet down like a rocky slope into the ocean. They all have wetsuits on. They drop me off. You know, hook me up, and uh, and I'm off. Yeah, and then they all come in with their canoes and you know their paddle boards and all that kind of stuff, and we just play. Oh, that sounds so wonderful! I would like to try something like that. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic! Oh, that is so wonderful, Georgina. So along your path then as you've been finding solutions and continuing to be determined to do what you love 
have people discouraged you and tried to talk you out of not pursuing those enjoyments? And how did you handle that? And how did it turn out? I can say, basically, from a, as a young child, I never really followed the status quo, much to my parents' chagrin. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't a good Catholic girl. I also had a choice of careers and uh, reckless, you know, pursuits of adventure. You know, my mom especially uh, used to say to me, like incessantly, when when are you going to get a real job? You know, <laughs> I, mean, I, was a, I, was a, I was a self-employed cabinet maker, you know, traveling the world, you know, doing these, you know, excursions, you know, being self-employed, you know, I, I could take off at a moment's notice. You know, I handled it by moving to a different state, <laughs> uh, never talking about my activities and achievements with my mom. My friends were my support, not only by encouraging me, you know, praising my efforts, you know, but they really believed in my talents and they, they were the first to hire me, you know, to build kitchens, to, you know, build their decks and fences. Yeah. And I did, did it all, you know, just single-handedly. I, I never got any help because I also felt somewhat like an imposter, illegitimate, because I've never gotten trained to do what I'm doing. But that that left me a little isolated. I lived under the radar, which, you know, didn't do my self-esteem, you know, or feeling of self-worth well that much. You know, it felt like I didn't, maybe didn't fit in with the greater establishment of professional woodworkers. I overcame all that. I had embraced my talents, my business thrived, you know, as well as my self-esteem. So... I think time, you know, hiding, you know, occasionally, not saying the complete truth to my mother, but eventually she came around. I mean, it wasn't mm -hmm. until she was like 85, but <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> well, I think that as we grow up, if we're lucky, we learn that we can pick and choose who we hang around with, who we tell what, who we do what with, and whether we have disabilities or not, this is a good skill to learn because otherwise we will remain in the negative thinking pattern. And so I know that I have done the same thing I, as an adult. I learned not to tell my parents certain things, um, not because they didn't love me, but because I wanted to hold on to my view of myself and how I was trying to show up. So that's kind of a natural part of evolving as people, I think. And, and it really requires people like you and me who have experienced a lot of adversity where people are legitimately concerned about us, but what they really want is the best for us. And so as we continue to evolve and become happy ourselves and authentic about ourselves, people do come around the people yeah. that matter.
do come yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got four older sisters and the, the second oldest would always like wag her finger over the phone at me. She just say, you know, what were you thinking to go out in a, in a kayak late at night in a storm and blow, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I, I just tell her time and time and again, you know, Jeannie, I'm, I'm living my best life. I am thriving. You know, she's, she's totally come around. She, she's read the memoir, you know? Yeah. She didn't know anything about my life as the rest of my sisters didn't either. Um, and she's like, oh, but, uh, but yeah, she, she embraces it now. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, we're all unique. And that's so awesome because you're at a point now where you can celebrate and say, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm sure there are some struggles though. And it's bring it brings us to my next question, which is, can you tell us about a time when you wanted to give up and thought that maybe you were taking on too much? And how did you handle that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one time totally comes to mind. Um, back in uh, 2017, um, I had a urinary tract infection that plus passed the blood barrier into my brain causing uh, what they call encephalopathy and it caused me to be to completely malfunction um i was admitted to the hospital that i went into rehab um and during that time you know my disability increased tremendously i lost control of my hands any independence that i had i started not believing in myself you know not feeling like I could continue any of the projects that I've been doing. Um, you know, that's when the nightmares, you know, started happening. And, you know, that maybe, maybe through my actions, I deserve, you know, what is happening. So what happened, how I handled this was just happenstance. I mean, I, I was listening to an uplifting message, you know, from the Unity of Portland. It's a like a spiritual center here in Portland. And I heard the ministers talk about a book called Radical Forgiveness oh. by Colin Tipping. And I went through this process. And at the end, I was willing to consider forgiving myself. And that was, that was it. That started, that, that kind of broke the cycle. You know, just that willingness. Yeah. And then um, that same, you know, center, you know, UD of Portland um, had a class on the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And I took that class and it was all about, you know, tapping into your creativity. And I was doing some writing at that time, you know, some dark writing and, uh, all of it's in the book and the the participants the students challenged each other you know they challenged me to write more yeah and 
So they said they kept me accountable. You know, it's like, you know, once a week, send us something. So I did that for a few weeks and then became very apparent. I didn't need help anymore, you know, and that ended up turning into this, this, this book. I felt like I was not capable of doing this um, project that I, I founded, Access Recreation. Um, this ad hoc committee was uh, composed of, of federal, state, and city park and rec agencies. And I, um, you know, we are trying to figure out how to bring better information on, 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 uh, on trails that weren't like fully accessible so that people could decide for themselves if uh, something might be usable, a backcountry trail, for example. And um, so we, we did it, we figured out how to do it. We developed a document for agencies called the guidelines for providing trail information to people with disabilities. And then from there we created um, accesstrails.org and that's uh, profiling 36 trails in the Portland Vancouver region. You know, this is all based on the, the guideline principles. So we did all of this work, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's very useful. It was really great. And I felt like there is no way that I could even, you know, speak, you know, to this work anymore. I'm done. So during this time, you know, after these these book, the books, I I decided, okay, I'm going to try one thing. You know, first of all, I should say that when I was in, in rehab, I met this guy who used something called eye gates. And um, he was like in bed, wrapped up. He could only move his head. And he was... He, he could manipulate a computer with his eyes. So I knew that when I got out, I was going to, to look into that, you know, and that's what I got. And so even though I was able to use my computer now, I still felt like, you know, I couldn't do anything with access recreation. So what I, what I ended up doing, I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to do, you know, try to design a website. So I designed a, re- a website, Access for All uh, LC, you know, started a new business. I thought, well, you know, I mean, not that I was going to do anything with it. And then I did, um, I took one other little baby step. I I um, contacted the, the, the partners, the federal, you know, state and city partners and said, uh, hey, you know, just, you know, seeing who's, who's, uh, you know, in the, in the position of, um, you know, the last representative, um, are you aware of access recreation, you know, blah, 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 that snowballed. All of a sudden people wanted consultation, uh, started developing trainings on the guideline principles, um, started a, um, a cooperative agreement with the Fish and Wildlife Service. They want to make their refuges a the premier site that apply the uh, guideline principles on the sites and online. And then the New York Times reached out to me 
and they wanted to be part of a an article, you know, about access recreation. So so it's just like these little baby steps, you know, turned in, it just moved the needle. And then the needle just started spinning by itself. Because I certainly wasn't wasn't trying. You know, I was just trying to to regain my sanity. And uh that this is what happened. Oh, well, I heard a couple of really, well, lots of cool things in what you just said. But one thing that keeps coming up in every episode is how when the those of us who have been on this journey of personal growth and continuing to do what we love, one of the things we figure out is if we start with one thing, a baby step, it begins the process. And I think what happened was you decided to be open to rebuilding, but you didn't see the, you didn't look at the big picture like, oh, I can't get, do this because it's too big. You started with one thing. And you found out, wow, I can do this. And look what happened. The New York Times reached out to you. So when we open ourselves to possibilities and we decide we're going to take one baby step, look what happens. Yeah. 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 Beyond my imagination. Yeah. So I subscribe to this technique that I learned in my undergraduate days called bibliotherapy. And it is a process of really reading books about people who have overcome barriers so that they can continue being the people they want to be the people we are inside um, and and be able to show that on the outside and um, overcome barriers. And so we read about other people who are overcoming barriers that we want to overcome. And so what are some takeaways that you might offer to help people remain positive and determined to stay their course? I think it takes a little self, you know, contemplation because life is just, it, it's full speed, you know, and it throws stuff at you all the time, you know, as the minister of unity of Portland says, you know, the universe goes, oh, here, let me help you. Let me provide this, like, stumbling block block so that you could learn um so sometimes it's 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 just being kind to yourself my my go-to is is being in nature it's where i've got enough space to to dream or to be able to let go if necessary it's where i find peace and the other thing that that i do that that helps my state of mind and keeps me positive is expressing kindness to myself and, and others, you know, totally brings joy into my life. Like 
finding a new activity or a way to to engage in whatever brings me joy that that ends in uh positivity and and um and satisfaction in my life and it makes you want to keep doing more doesn't it it does it does you know it just grows on itself you know like you're talking about the baby steps you know you do something and you feel pleasure and it's like, okay, I'm going to do that again. Or here's another way to do it that brings me more pleasure. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the little things, you know, and, you know, I, like I said, nature, you know, sometimes it's just going out and watching that crazy white butterfly, you know, flicker all around the yard, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, you know, that's me. I'm just, you know, flickering all over. You know, I mean, it's there's something about nature that, you know, either resonates or takes you away, you know, from something that is, is challenging. I totally resonate with, with the gratefulness thing. I do. I end my day, you know, with kind of a, a, a gratefulness meditation. And that just puts me right to the, the the good the good place where I can sleep. And then one thing that you know, just because of my my condition, you know, one thing that I'm grateful for is just you know having the opportunity to live this human existence, you know, and be able to wake up in the morning, you know, because <laughs> uh, it's not going to last forever. I mean, my whole life is interdependent now. You know, it used to be completely independent. You know, I, I lived alone. I had my, you know, my cabinet business alone. You know, I had my own kayak. And so I, I'd go and put it in by myself. I'd love that, you know. And now I'm like completely interdependent. Um, except, you know, once I'm set up, I can, you know, gaze on my computer and I could do things. I could do business on, on my own. But then I need somebody else to help me shut everything down and get me to bed. So, uh, you know, this interdependence um, is like a, a constant mantra to, to gratefulness. It, it has enriched experiences tenfold. You never would have guessed, you know, but that's what happens when you come out from hiding and uh, and you invite people in and you share your truth and you become vulnerable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that's happening in my life. You know, in my book, you know, I, I do three parts, you know, and it's the third part that's all about interdependent adventure. I'm paralyzed, you know, basically, you know, but I've got, I've got my mind, you know, I'm surrounded by love, you know, all of a sudden I recognize this as, you know, the ultimate, you know, in fulfillment. Uh, I, I, you know, never lived my life that way up until, up until, you know, recently. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just surprised and tickled, you know, it's, just a great way to live. Well, it's wonderful to talk to you, Georgina, and hear how your life has 
has transformed. And I just wish more of that for you. Um, Neil Marcus, uh, Google him. He's amazing. He's a playwright um, and a uh, an actor and an author. He, he would go up in front of a crowd and say, disability is not a brave struggle or courage in the face of adversity. Disability is an art. It's an ingenious way to live. Thank you, Georgina, for joining us today. And check the show notes for information about how to order Georgina's book and in her biography about where she came from and where she is now. And stay tuned because we'll have another episode next month in October as well. Thank you for joining me today on Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. Remember, when you speak up for yourself assertively, you will get what you need and feel good about it. You will also be showing respect for yourself and for the other people in your life who are important to you. Until next time, try thinking about it like Stephanie LaHart says it. Say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. Before it gets too late.